Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. I love doing this show, and all these wonderful people that come on touch my heart in so many ways. Today, we have a beautiful woman on that is just full of so much joy and the way that she helps people that I really wanted to have her on the show. Her name is Sherry Dunleavy. Many people may remember her as Sherry McCutcheon. I hope I pronounced that right, Sherry, a popular media figure in the Wheeling, West Virginia, Steubenville, Ohio area for over 30 years. Sherry hosted her own radio talk show on WKKX and was the main news anchor at WT0V9. Sherry's mantra is step into your greatness is something she takes quite seriously as she has totally revamped her life and career after 50 by writing a best-selling book, speaking to audiences of all ages, managing her own global anti-aging business, and hosting two podcasts, the Grief Anonymous podcast and all things awesome interviews. Her book, How Can I Help? Your go-to guide for helping loved ones through life's difficulties was written to help people become their best by reaching out beyond their fears and helping those they love and care about in life. Sherry loves sharing with audiences what she has learned about her journey through grief, breaking through the fears as we tell ourselves that keep us from a joyful life. Welcome, Sherry. Nina, hello. How are you today? I'm doing great, and I'm just thrilled to have you on. We are going to talk about your book today, which is so timely in this time that we're all living in and trying to get through the book is appropriately called, How Can I Help? And, you know, Sherry, this is a very inspiring book. And even with my 20 plus years in hospice, there was so much good information in here. My main thing is I want to ask you, because this is always the most beautiful story, what inspired you to write this book? Tell us that story. Okay. 21 years ago, my husband and I lost our second son, Brandon. I was on a television news anchor at the time. And so, you know, it was a very public loss. It was a very public pregnancy. My whole life was very public at the time. My audience saw me, you know, get married and then have my first child. And, you know, we were anticipating the arrival of my second child. And um, we had complications during the pregnancy and he lived for 29 days and then he died. Um, And so while and make no mistake about it, we were lifted up and loved and carried through by so many wonderful, loving, caring people. However, um, some of our closest friends who we thought would be there for us just kind of disappeared out of our life. Interesting. And, um, yeah. and through the years, I've found, Nina, that's, that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon at all. And so I say one of my friends called and I thought she was going to say, hey, you know, I've got a babysitter for the kids. I'm, I'm coming up. I'm going to be with you. You know, that's what I was expecting when I got the phone call that day. And what I got instead was 
I can't handle this. And um, I never heard from her again. Um, and then six years later, out of the blue, she called and wanted to catch up. And I'm, I'm like, that ship has sailed. You know, I'm not angry. I was so hurt at the time, as was my husband. But it was like, that relationship is fractured. Yeah. And that's what got me on the road to thinking, well, what was that about? Yeah. Why, why would someone abandon you when you need them the most? That's and right. so I thought about this and, and I, I personally came up with three reasons. The first was that it hit too close to home. You know, she had children and I just lost a child, you know, so that is so frightening that Maybe you can't face it. It's the worst fear, the worst thing imaginable, and and it was too much for her. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is that, you know, there were probably people that really wanted to say something or do something for us, but they didn't know what to say or do at all. You know, like well, what? Do you, what? I don't know what to do. It's, it was never modeled for them, or they mm-hmm. had never experienced a loss to see what that looks like, you know, so they just didn't know. And the other category is, well, you know what? I want to say something. I want to do something, but what if they start crying? What if I make it worse? What if I make Mm. them feel worse? Mm. Then I just probably shouldn't do anything at all. And so I thought, wow, if there was just something out there that could help people and just make it simple, you know, um, Here's a list. Pick something. Do something. Do anything. And that way your your relationship will, will be solid, you know, and your loved one will feel supported. And every time I Googled it, every time I went onto Amazon, anytime I walked into a bookstore, I would go and look, you know, and I couldn't find it. And honestly, I think the Holy Spirit was telling me, Nina, you know, look all you want, Sherry, but you're not going to find it until you write it. Wow. And see, across the board, whether you're talking about, and this book is good for significant losses of all kinds. So, divorce, unemployment, life-changing events, that's what I call them. They're, they're, right. There's no going back. So, in your opinion, it's basically our fears <laughs> yes. of not, that, and, and I always say fears are false experience is appearing real. It's something in my own life that I try and work on all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it means, I mean, truly, when you have a fear about something, I kind of think you're in the future. What if mm-hmm. I do yeah. this? What if I hurt them? What if I make them cry? What if what I'm doing irritates them or annoys them? But one of your key points that you say that I love is that you say, just show up. Right. Just be there. Just be there. It's, that's the, that was the, there was only one unanimous answer in the whole book out of everyone that I interviewed. So I am not the expert per se. I do have some mm-hmm. tips and suggestions that are mine in the book, but what I did using my television background as I interviewed people who have gone through all Great of this. idea. And, and I said, what I asked them, would you share with me what your family and friends did to lift you up, to carry you through, to support you? Mm-hmm. What were those things that they did? What was unique? What was memorable? What was most helpful? And then I also said, what was not so helpful? If you notice, Nita, in the book, I didn't say, don't say this. I said, 
this is not so helpful. <laughs> right. No, you, know? you did. You put it very eloquently in the book. You know, and that's that's fine because people literally just don't know. I, no. I, I, you know, in all, you know, in my work that I've done in my life, I know that people get, they're like afraid of me. It's like I'm the angel of death, you know, mm-hmm. don't see Nina because, <laughs> right. you know. To talk to you about death, or somebody's going to die, or whatever. And I seriously have lost friends over it, over people's fears about mm-hmm. what I do for a living. Um, and I think I love even when you say just show up, mm-hmm. three words, actually, two words. Just mm-hmm. show up is one word. If, if you just, even when you say it, the simplicity in it mm-hmm. and holding space for what could happen. Or what right. could occur, or what could get better, you know? I think that was just to me. That's that was like you took the whole book, and basically the whole book is really about showing up. The other thing that you say that I really love is you have to kind of go internally and ask, "What kind of friend can I be?" Mm-hmm. Exactly. I literally just got off the phone with someone who their husband had something happen. And the first thing I'm going to do when I get off the show today is call her and check on her and see how she's doing because it was a big deal, you know. And right. that's just about showing up and just being a friend the way you can. Do I know what she needs right now? No. No. What and you know, s- yeah. What What was the question? What was it? What would you say was helped lift you up the most when you lost your son? Because you found out pretty early in the pregnancy that. There was going to be problems, yeah, right? Yeah. You kind of knew for, for nine months mm-hmm. that you guys were going to be challenged and could possibly lose your child. Right. Yeah. So, so we knew. And, um, and so, you know, people would just call on us, how's everything going? And yeah. um, we were, you know, I'm one of those people that was so blessed to have my in-laws and my parents, you yeah. know, been very close to us. I had a two-year-old, soon-to-be three-year-old, you know, and so they were able to to care for him. Um, people were very, very good to us. So some of the things that I remember are just people who showed up to our house just just to to be there with us, just to nice. sit on the couch with us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that that showed up with food that took care of needs that I didn't even know. You know, you don't know what even what day of the week it is. You know, yeah. like there are certain things that, that just flash in my mind um, that I don't really remember, but I remember who was there. I don't even remember what they said. I just remember they were there. Yeah. And so I think that it's perfectly okay, Nina, for you to say to your friends, I have no idea what to say to you, except I am so very sorry that you are suffering and you are hurting right now. And I will be here for you. And if you, I, I, I always tell people, you know what? And if you need a shoulder to cry on or an ear to listen, then I offer mine. That's a good way to say it. And I think by saying that, as opposed to one of the things that you mentioned in your book that's not helpful, is saying, if you need anything, just let me know. Yeah. Is that because you're, because that's what a lot of people do? It's kind of like a general kind of statement 
That it's a statement that how do you say it? I say it. Everyone says it. I, I try not to say it anymore, I but I, it's just something that rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And I put that in my not so helpful section. And the I reason know. that I find it not so helpful is like I just said earlier, you don't even know what day of the week it is, let alone what you need. For example, you know, let's say someone who has lost their husband, okay? And they right. have traditional roles in the family. Yes. Okay. So she knows how to, to wash clothes and put dinner on the table and take care of everything inside and doesn't even realize until the grass is two feet high that, oh my gosh, I've got to mow the lawn. Oh my gosh, who takes out the garbage? You know, just things like that, that they don't think of. I remember when my husband's grandmother died, her grandfather, his grandfather did not know how to cook or do laundry. Right. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is that first of all, why this is not so helpful is because people might not know what they need right now. Okay. Because they don't even know what's going on. That's a really good point. And, you know, I've heard so many widows say to me things like taking taking out the trash, mm-hmm. picking up the leaves are things they never even had to think about. Shoveling snow where I live. Yeah. Husband always just did it. Mm-hmm. Good point. That's a really good point. Because when I read that, I thought, hmm. okay. But then when you go deeper into, if you need anything, just let me know. But by saying People really don't know what they need. Not right away. No. And so what I say is a more helpful way to phrase that question yeah. would be to say, Nina, can I come over and mow the grass? Can I go uh-huh. pick up groceries? Yeah. Or can I walk your dogs for you? Yeah. Okay. Three things that I'm willing to do for you. Try now, um, I, you'll never hear me say, Nina, can I come over and clean your house? <laughs> <laughs> I might say, can I send a service over? Right. You but, could, but, somebody <laughs> could offer that, though, if they wanted to. They were right. into house cleaning. Right. No, I could but do you, you know what I'm saying? Something that yes. you're willing to do. And then if they say, oh, my, I don't need that right now, but thank you. You know what? I might need that in a couple of weeks. And then I say, don't wait a couple of weeks for them to reach out to you. Reach back out to them. Right. In a couple of weeks. Yeah. Hey, Nina, you told me that you might need your grass on mode. Is that something I can do for you this week? Yeah. When you did your, when you did your, um, uh, I guess I would say, you know, talking to a lot of different people, um, interviewing a lot of different people right. about what helped them most. What was the most um, common answer that people really liked? Was it what you just said or was there something else? I think you might like to. What the, you know, the most important thing, there were two answers that came up over and over again. One was unanimous and one was just show up, just show up yeah, and, and be there for me. Yeah. Um, and then the next one, um, and only two people that I interviewed um, did not think this was helpful, but prayer. Hmm, people was- really appreciated prayer. People told me that the prayers were palpable, that they felt the power of the prayers. And mm-hmm. I have felt the power of prayer too. And what some of the most beautiful experiences, because I was a public figure in my community, I remember um, I was uh, coming home from a doctor's visit, very, very pregnant. And um, I was just in a, you know, in a restaurant and um, with my mother and this group of 
they were in a Bible study and they asked if they could come over and pray over me. And mm-hmm. I cried. I was, that was just so touching to me. That is very touching. Yeah. Prayer is so powerful. I, I've given prayer cards before to people, you know, because there's a little store not far from where I live that has got a prayer card for every situation. And every time I've given one to somebody, they really appreciate it because it gives them something to hold on to. Yes, you know? tangible, tangible, right? Yep. And somebody gave me something that I could actually read a prayer off of and hold on to or whatever. And that's what I did for that person that they had lost. This person had lost a child and it was um, a very sad situation. And I'm Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I always thought about how Mother Mary lost her child right. and and used that. And this person was so um, touched because they'd never thought about it that way, but it brought some peace and it just made me feel so good because like we've discussed so far in the show, I just really didn't know what to do, you know, right. to make her feel better, to help her with her pain. And that was something that was important to me. Is, is prayer and being able to have something tangible to hold on to, Sherry. So it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was so, and, and it was just, and it was something that just kind of came to me. I think it was kind of like a download. I know okay. we got to go to break here in a minute. And when we get back from break, I really want to talk about what's changed in our world that has made these ways to help people a little bit challenging. We'll be right back with that and uh, hang in there. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are 
listening to Inspiring End of Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. So I'm here with my wonderful guest, Sherry Dunleavy, and we're talking about her book today, How Can I Help? So, you know, Sherry, one of the things that really got me thinking, I would say, back to my childhood, is growing up in a neighborhood where you all knew each other. You knew everybody on the block, everybody helped themselves, mm-hmm. helped each other, and um, that is something that's really disappearing. And our neighborhoods are disappearing in that way, extended family. People are living all over the place. So, in the grieving process, oh, yeah, yeah, I find, and I want to get talk about two things here, not only that, but also how we're grieving so much in social media. Mm. Big deal. So, let's say, you know, like I was just even thinking about my own little neighborhood that I grew up in was we were there most of my childhood, like 16 years, you know? Mm -hmm. And if somebody on our street was sick or there was something going on where we knew, you know, you'd maybe see a hearse pull up or something, we all knew each other that well that we were were there for each other, you know? There's an earthquake, you walked out your front door and you checked on your neighbors. And now it's like, I mean, I've moved around a lot in my life, but even though I have, I still think that that is just not what it used to be. It's not. And there are so many people today that have no idea who their neighbors are. Yeah. No idea. We've moved from the front porch to the back deck. Oh, wow. That's a powerful way to put it. Yes. And they don't even build front porches on homes anymore. No. And, um, and so I have to, you know, I, it, it's one of those things where you don't have that relationship. You don't have that connection. It's kind you of don't sad. know who these people are. It's sad to me, you know. Oh, I wish it's that I knew heartbreaking. my right. Yeah, I really do. I just, I, I used to love to like it, you know, go out in the yard and you'd see your friends and your neighbors and stuff and you talk to them. I mean, some people have that. It's not everybody, but. I, I'm, I'm still blessed to have that. Yeah, I, I live in a beautiful neighborhood in West Virginia where, you know, the neighbors do come out and help and, you know, um, invite each other families over and children play outside and ride bikes and all the parents are, you know, standing outside and talking just, you that's know, it's neat. beautiful. Oh, that's neat. I hope to have mm-hmm. that again in my life. Well, the other group of people that you talk about is the church ladies. Yes, the church ladies. <laughs> always they, there, aren't they? The oh, church ladies. Yeah. They're to take care of everything for you. I mean, you, you know, when, you, when there was a funeral, you didn't have to worry about anything. You just, you showed up to the mass and then the church ladies took it from there, right? Yeah. And they just cradled you in their noodles and love and rigatoni and chicken and, you know, whatever they, they would <laughs> fix for you but, and for the masses. And, yeah. um, and, they, and they just showed their love and respect and 
kindness and generosity in that manner. And you didn't have to worry about anything. They took and care they of show it up. for you. They mm-hmm. just show up. That's what they do. They just show up. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, at our church, we have, um, they have these quilts out every Sunday. And there's a lady that makes these quilts and you, every knot that you tie, you say a prayer. I mean, oh. that is simple, you know, like Americana kind of stuff, stuff that I feel like we're losing. And, yes. you know, I just don't want to lose it. I, I don't, you know, and it's, it's people like us that, you know, bring that to the table and stuff. I'm even trying to start a bereavement group at my church so I can kind of start helping people in that way. The thing that scares me, though, I think a lot about is giving people options. So, not grieving on social media. And I'm not talking about like, you know, beautiful Grief Anonymous and the Grief Resource Group and Open Mm -hmm. to Hope and all those people that are doing so much for people that are locked in. Or, I mean, putting stuff on Facebook when somebody dies, you know, and yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying to put saying. it into words. Yes. But um, it's, you, go ahead. It's not, it doesn't have any reverence, you know, to, I guess the other word I could say, you just get kind of sloppy with grief as opposed yes. to being there one-on-one and really re- getting to a, a place with people where you're relating to one another, you know? there's Yes, I, I absolutely, like it's nails on a chalkboard when I read that someone has passed and then you read the responses and it's an angel and praying hands, hugs and prayers, hugs and prayers, yeah, prayers, hugs and prayers, hugs. And I'm like, seriously, like, okay. Like I get that, you know, you're acknowledging that loss, but that is just like barely scratching that, that, that's not, that's not being there. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, as a person that, you know, doing what you do and doing what I do for a living, there's many times when I've seen something sad on Facebook or where someone said, you know, my dog just died, you know, mm-hmm. and they've got a picture of them standing next to their dog. And and I'm not trying to promote, not trying to be an ambulance chaser. I'm like, hey, I'll call you. I, I will check on you. And I and many times I I will I'll say I saw your Facebook post. Are you okay? Right. Yeah. I reach out immediately usually, and I always wonder like if you're going to say hugs and prayers. I hope for heaven's sakes you are saying a prayer. You know, like please at least do that. But, but it's like, are we just getting lazy? You yeah. know that we're just everything's on. You know, it's pick up the damn phone. You know, Joe and I talk about this. My husband and I, we talk about this, you know, and I I think to myself, sometimes we just, we get tired of texting. It's like, right. Phone, pick up the phone. (laughs) I I agree. Nina, I think that's generational. Is it my age? I think I do. I think that it is because I'm the same way. I want to hear someone's voice. I want to see their face. I want to hug. I want, I don't want to text really. Like a text is a precursor. It's the appetizer. Right. right? So, um, Follow it up with a card, a message. I'll go to instant messenger immediately, especially if it's not, if I, you know, if I'm not a, a close friend, like someone that I had worked with like 20 right. years ago, I found out that her dog, I mean, I, I worked with her one day a week. Yeah. You know, um, I, I found out that, you know, they had a child that passed mm-hmm. and I immediately took the messenger. Oh my gosh, I'm devastated for you. My heart is breaking. I'm here. I'm here right. when you are ready to talk. 
please let me know. And I've checked in on her a couple of times. I'm sending a card. I'm sending a message. And that's another thing, too. Cards are beautiful, tangible things. I still have cards from 21 years ago when my son died. I still have those cards. Mm -hmm. And and share, people couldn't share a memory of my son because there were none. He only lived 29 days. And, you know, so, but if you can share a memory of that person's loved one or an experience that you had to where they mattered in your life, you are giving that family a treasure. You are giving them a gift of a side of their loved one that maybe they might not ever have known. That is, that's good advice. That's beautiful advice. It's almost like I want to say this, is that it's almost like you you need to promote your book to the millennials and the younger kids so that they know how to do this. Amen. Seriously. I know. I just think that, you know, it they would don't be a know great how. graduation gift to give to them. Yeah. Um, really, because... Uh, they don't know what they don't know. And then they get into something happens to them and they have no idea what to do. And there's, and they don't know. And they don't have that support, that, that loving support. They, they feel abandoned by their friends because this is so heavy for a young person. Right. So, yeah. And it's just, and then it's, you just see it on Facebook. I see that yeah. a lot with younger kids too, especially mm-hmm. when there's a suicide or something like that, you know, and it's like we're, people are young, you know, with just the, and I'm, I don't want to generalize and say all young people, but no, this, right. when you, when somebody dies there, you know, remember when you were younger, your mom made you write a thank you note for your birthday gifts. Yes. She made you sit your butt down and write a thank mm-hmm. you note. I remember that, like, you're going to send thank you notes. I'm like, what? You know, but it taught me that kind of etiquette, you know, where you send a thank you note. And I'm with you on cards because I send a lot of cards. One thing that we do in hospice, and I do it in my life, especially with a pretty traumatic death, is you send a card every three months, Mm -hmm. you know, and send them for the whole year, that first year. It's, the first year is so crucial. It is. And, you know, because after, literally, after a couple of weeks, everybody moves on, but mm. you're not moving on, especially right. with loss of a child or a husband. You know, somebody was really dear to you in, in your life. It takes a long time. And I know for me, the cards that I have from my mother's death mean the world to me. I have them in a big fat envelope. Yep. And every now and then I'll just go and look at them. And they and they provide such love and comfort. They do because it was a reminder that she was here, that she existed. Yes. You know, I think the longer it is sometimes and people that have lost a mother or a child or someone very close to them, it's those cards. That's what they do. You look at them 10 years ago. Yeah, my mom lived. My mom was here. I know she was, especially after a lot, a lot of years. You know, like you're right. saying, how long has it been since you lost your baby? It's been 21 years since we lost our son. And, you know, especially when he only lived 29 days. So think about that. I have really very little. You know, I carry on his memory in the way, but let me, can I just tell you the power? Can I tell you a story about the power of a card? Yes. Because 
there was a woman, and I'll probably cry when I tell this story. That's okay. But there was a woman who was, he, she was our neighbor, a neighbor of my husband's parents, my in-laws. Okay. And she, she wrote to, she said, Sherry and Rob, and I'm just like paraphrasing, but she said, you know, little Brandon, in his short life, he brought so many people to God, wow. to, to their knees, mm. praying to God on his behalf. How blessed you were to be his parents. Mm. And that card did three things for me. First of all, it made me realize that my son had a purpose and he accomplished that purpose in 29 days. So I feel like I have an, I'm the mother of an accelerated soul, Nina. Yes, you are. <laughs> so, so, but that got me to thinking, you know, so his life had purpose, meaning, and made an impact on people, okay? In 29 days, even though people didn't even meet him. So that was the first thing. The second thing was, if he did that in 29 days, what am I doing with my 38 years? Because I was soon to be 38 at the time. What am I doing with my life? Wow. And I really started thinking about that. I thought about my career path. I thought about whether I wanted to be married, whether I wanted to have children, but I never thought about the kind of impact that my life was going to have on other people in the world, okay? And the third thing that I learned from that is that a simple note inside a card when a person really needs your love and support can change their life. Powerful, very powerful. Because she changed mine. Yeah. She just kind of, she brought everything to, like, I, I don't want to say the service, but I just want to say, it's almost like she painted this beautiful picture for you. Yes, yes. I mean, it helped me accept my grief. It helped me accept that this was my son's life and death story, you mm-hmm. know, and that mine continued. Right. So it helped me deal with the pain of that, of what if God only wanted it to be 29 days? And, you know, so what if their soul agreement, their little pact was you're coming and she's going to be your mama, but it's only going to be 29 days. And one of the things that you said in your book is that you didn't want it to define your life in a way that you were, what I got from that is the being sad all the time that I am the mother with the loss of a child but what you've done is even though you, you are a mother that has lost a child, a baby, it's, it's kind of been reframed for you. Right. I always say I never wanted Brandon's death to define my life, mm-hmm. but I allowed his death to refine my life. Wow. See, death is just, this is why I have the show. I mean, it, to me, it, it can, what the, the growth that I yeah. see yes. and the people that I talk to on this show are so inspiring and open people's hearts, especially mine, up to something so much greater than just the word death. Right. And that's what I always want people to see. You know, it, it's just so much greater than what you could imagine, you know, and, and when you open up to it, like you've done, I mean, and, and are still doing, is is bringing to the surface the beauty of death and what it can show us. And you're doing that 
through teaching us how to help other people through their deaths. And you know what, and and by no stretch of the imagination has it not been painful. You know, it has been painful, but, 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 you know, I mean, nothing in life comes easy and no one, no one, you didn't come to this life saying, Hey, you know, you're never going to have any troubles. You're never going to have any sorrow. You're right. we're human. We're, we're yes. spiritual beings having a human experience and a human experience of death is a biggie. It is. And there's a, a lot of suffering that happens on this planet period. I mean, that's just something you just, you have to accept you know, is that there, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be heartache, there's going to be sadness, there's going to be death. And to me, the more you open your heart up to it, the better your life can be and more enriching your life can be. Right. And there's going to be suffering, definitely. But we all have the ability to help ease others' suffering. And in turn, doesn't that get us ready for our journey someday? Absolutely. So that's, you know, I mean, that's literally your, you know, in my mind, I, I know this sounds a bit morbid, but we're, we're all going to die and we're all preparing to die. And to me, I, you know, by learning more about it, by talking to people like you, talking to my near-death experiencers, talking to all these different people in my life, it's, it, it sounds sweet. It you does, know? doesn't it's, it? <laughs> Sweet. I, I I absolutely 100% get what you're saying. Okay. And, you know, it's just like the, the meme for that you've seen on social media where it says, we're all here just walking each other home. Yeah. It's one of my favorites, too. It's so beautiful. We got to go take another break, Sherry. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about your book and other things that you're doing in your life. So we will be right back. Thanks a lot. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, thanks for tuning in and welcome back to Inspiring End of Life Conversations with Sherry Dunleavy and her book, How Can I Help? So we are back and there is something that we didn't touch on and I really want to make sure that we don't forget about the caregivers. Yes. Everything that we're talking about on the show today, I think people kind of forget when someone is at home taking care of chronic illnesses, terminal illnesses, they completely lose their entire life, those caregivers. They're not going out with friends. They're getting up in the morning. They're taking care of the, the, their loved one all day long. And a lot of times they don't get a break. And they're really just struggling. And there are so many things that we can do for them where we, one of the things is maybe allowing them, we do this in hospice when you volunteer. Here they can go out and go get a pedicure or get a manicure. Mm-hmm. But what else would you know you suggest in in that arena when we're talking about caregivers? Right, just something to pamper themselves, some some me time. And you know, I was just when you were talking about that, I thought just about every single American can kind of know what that feels like now yeah. through the COVID pandemic. Yeah. Where you can't leave home, you've got all your kids, you're trying to homeschool them, you need some relief, you're trying to work, you're trying to sort things out, you're trying to take care of everybody else's needs. Think about that situation that you're in, and then, yeah. and then the next time that someone is, you know, a caregiver, think about what you needed in that moment, and that might be one of the best things that you can do <laughs> to offer someone else. Yeah. Because it's exhausting. It is just exhausting. I'd recently just read a, a really um, beautiful book, and um, it was about a daughter and mother who were taking care of a father that had a stroke. Now, we can talk about this, uh, you know, and just kind of touch on it. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a stroke victim or a stroke patient, I should say, a stroke patient, you know, you're looking six, seven, eight years. A lot of times. Right. Coming back from a stroke, yeah, there's no breaks. My grandmother had one, and there she there was no no breaks at all. Mm-mm. Very needed mm-hmm. help. Toileting, need- dressing, eating, walking, getting in bed, getting out of bed, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting, you know. And if you can always, and even give them a day where they could just go, you know, it reminds me. It, just let me excuse myself for a minute. When I was raising two little babies. Mm-hmm. going to the market was a godsend. 
yeah. you know, because you're, you just have to get out of the caregiving mode, even if it's for an hour and then you get fresh and then you come back and then you're ready to start again. Right. Well, you think about people with dementia. I have a friend who has a wife that has very early onset dementia, oh, just personal grooming, getting a shower, Yeah. you know, for fear that their wife is going to leave the house. Yeah. Lucky. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, of- it's so stressful. And we have a hospice here that allows like weekend care, respite care. So that yes. you can, they will provide respite care so that you can have a weekend away. You know, so say your granddaughter is getting married, you can go to the wedding. Yeah, it's you true. Know? It's, it's very true. And it's very important just to remember that they're out there. So if you know somebody that has taken care of somebody right now, you know, drop in, give them a call and, you know, bring over some apple pie or something fun, you know, yes. just to brighten up their day or flowers or something like that, because it is, you know, I volunteer for hospice. I love volunteering for hospice. Um, and that's something that, you know, sometimes I'll just do, you know, for right. just to kind of know that, you know, I know this is hard. It's hard. It's very challenging. Right. So, Sherry, on top of all this other stuff that you do, um, there's there's some other really beautiful things that you're doing out there. And I, I really want to make sure that we talk about it a little bit um, because it's it's inspiring. And it's happy, and we need that right now. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, I'm. I'm really excited about this next journey. So I wrote the book. Gradual. Um, I wrote the book. How can I help? Because I felt like it was a resource that was needed, right? And so right. now I'm creating something called Graduating Grief because I feel like it was something that I needed. I feel like it's the next step in your grief journey. So, for example, my husband and I, like I said, we were lifted up and we were carried through, and we had a wonderful support group called Share, and these. People were are beautiful people that helped us through our roughest days, especially during that first year. But mm. it came to about 18 months or so, you know, of going to these meetings twice a month that I started to find discover that I was feeling pretty good going into the meeting, but then I was leaving feeling worse than when I walked in. And I finally told my husband, I can't go back there. And he's like, the people are lovely. Yes, the people are lovely. But I was tired of the gut-wrenching pain of Mm -hmm. feeling that pain. I was ready to graduate, right? I was ready to graduate. I was ready to step back into my life. Maybe they were baby steps, not like leaping right into, oh, my life is normal and my life is great and my life is perfect. Not that. Right. But I was ready to start to feel, let joy come in, yeah. let joy yeah. shine in my life. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guilt associated sometimes with that. How could I be happy when my son didn't, you know, uh, my son didn't live and, you know, just the, there's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of fear. What's that? I'm not feel supposed like? to be happy. I'm not supposed to be happy. What's going to happen if I'm out in public and I start laughing? What are people going to say wow. that I don't yeah, love my this. son? Does this mean I'm not going to that they think I'm not going to love my son? Yeah. You know, and so I, there's all the all these funky feelings that are, you you yearn for this joy and you see it out there. And what people see, we people think that you're either happy or sad. 
Mm-hmm. But no in you can be happy and sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we always turn life into black or white, but most of life is lived in gray. And so, you know, you can be both. You can feel intense pain for the loss of your son, but still want to feel joyful or still laugh at a joke that, on a show that you're watching on TV. Live life. Just live right. life. So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get women, you know, it's not the early grief, you know, it's the maybe two years and beyond that are ready to, to, I'm ready to step back into my life, but I'm a, I'm a little afraid. Can someone help my hand? Can I, can, can we gather together and support each other through this, through these steps so that we don't have to just come out of this surviving, but we can come out of this thriving. Well, and that's, you know, and that's part of that growth and grief. You know, I, right. I, I know that it took me when my mom died, it took me a bit, you know, it was probably, and I'm going to say probably around two years, maybe oh, yeah. three, I was starting to come out of my shell a little bit, but still very hard for Mother's Day, very hard yes. to see mothers and daughters together, but I, w- I wanted to move forward. I, I right. wanted to be happy. I wanted to settle. It's taken me years to settle after her death, but I did it. You know, so I think with graduating grief and, you know, kind of what we discussed on the show today, you know, grief is a journey. It's a journey. And I am a true, true believer that it teaches us. So when you say graduating grief, I think of maybe you know, you you don't want to be in elementary school anymore. You're and the elementary school kids aren't going to know what you know because right. you're further along in your schooling. Kind of right. like that, right? Absolutely. Okay, it, you're ready to graduate, and also that grief is a gradual process. Mm, okay. So, um, like you think about a color gradient, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the graduation of color. And so I look at it as, you know, like I, I'm, I'm contemplating and probably will be writing a book, but, and I already know what the cover will look like. The cover is going to have a woman lying on the ground in a fetal position in the worst pain of grief. Okay. And then there's going to be the gradual progression to where she sits up and then she's kneeling and then she's standing and then but she's boldly walking towards the light. Yeah. That's right. Really beautiful. So that's, that's what I want for other people. And I want, see, and you have to choose it. And I want people to believe that it's possible. And the reason that I know that it's possible is because I'm living it. You're living it. And, and I want people also to know that it, that, it does not mean that you will never be sad again. It does not mean that you will never cry over your, the loss of your loved one again. It does not mean that. No. It means that you are learning to live and grow and thrive in spite of that and with that and carry it in a different way. So, I want to go a little deeper here with this. So, what's really beautiful is that, and I want to mention that you call yourself an inspirational nista. Did I say Inspir- right? Inspirationista. Yes. Inspirationista. <laughs> I love that name. Okay. So, what I've noticed 
in life with people like yourself and other people that really have like worked on their grief in a way that like this, writing a book, talking about it, trying to help others about it, whether you're Sherry Dunleavy or you're Jan Smith Mm-hmm. And you are working on your grief and you're opening up to it. And you know that there's some little morsels and some gifts in there. If you could just get past some of the things that you're working on, there mm-hmm. will be enormous gifts that have been brought to you. And oh. one of those most important gifts is intuition. Mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that because I think when you open up like what you just said, all right, so bear with me on this. Okay. So when you're talking about, you know, this idea of graduating grief, mm-hmm. pause for a minute here. And you don't have to answer. I don't want you to answer this yet. Okay. Where did that come from? And what happens is those quiet moments in the car. For me, a lot of times it's when I'm folding laundry mm. is when I get these inspirations mm-hmm. and I feel that those are downloads from spirit. Because when you open up to grief and you really have an opening, an opening, I, when my, both my parents died kind of close to each other and, and I, you know, went through it, did the work, did writing. And I wrote, finished my book after my mother died, that something in me changed, Sherry. Mm-hmm. I became a deeper person, I became more intuitive, and I became more open. And it wasn't by anything that I, that I had an expectation or agenda about, mm-hmm. it just happened. Yes. And that's what I see in you, is that you have these beautiful downloads. Gosh, we're getting close to the end of the show again. Yes. Go ahead I call them divine them. downloads. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I say when I'm meditating. I, it's like a download for a computer. I don't oh, expect so to get beautiful. it during a meditation, you know, I but know. it will come to me when I need it. Yes. And so I was trying to get very clear on what God wanted me to do. And yeah. I said, God, I have a heart for women, but I don't think that it's the direction that I'm going in. And you seem to be pulling me back in the world of grief. What do you want me to do? And I knew Um, and that I was, so you say it's when you're folding laundry, it's two places for me. It's either when I'm putting my makeup on or Uh when I'm in the shower (laughs) Yes. and it was your graduating grief. And I'm like, Mm. oh my gosh, that's it. That's what I needed. I needed to graduate my grief. That's Um, it. um, I can help women do that. Yeah. And it was definitely the Holy spirit moving through me. And it was definitely a divine download. And it was definitely because I was asking. And I could tell, you know, and and the thing is too, it's like, you could just, the excitement in your voice, let me know, wow, you know, spirit really spoke to her because you get excited about that. And I could do a whole show just on intuition and oh. it's, it's such a beautiful gift to hone in on and it takes practice, but I think it's one of these gifts in life that the more we open, the more we try and learn and I've got to wrap up. It's, it's, it opens us up more to God. It opens us up more to the gifts that are here for us all the time to help us in life. Thank you, Sherry Dunleavy. This has been such a great show. What's your website? www.sherrydunleavy.com. It's S-H-E-R-R-I-E-D-U-N-L-E-V-Y. 
Yes. And you can always find out from me too. read the book. If you've got young kids, give it to them. <laughs> and I just really want to thank you for being on the show, Sherry. It's been really great. Really thank great. Thank you so much, Nina. You're welcome. We'll talk soon. So everybody, thank you so much for being on, listening to the show today, Inspiring End of Life Conversations. It's been great. Please tune in, bookmark my show, and uh, we'll see you in a week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End of Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.